Well, hey, good morning, everybody. I'm really excited about this morning. We've got um, a guest speaker with us. Cheryl, you can go ahead and come on up. So Cheryl Fennessy, I don't know if y'all um, remember a couple years ago. How many of you guys remember the Fennessy's when they're here? That's a little over two years ago. So we have the honor of having them with us this weekend. And um, they are career missionaries. So Cheryl and Daryl. Daryl's downstairs with the kids this morning. Uh, but career missionaries with the CNMA. Um, and they've been in a lot of tough places in the world. Um, and I, just, I had to write it down because I wouldn't remember. So Beirut, Lebanon, Jordan, Iraq, Tunisia, and then most recently Germany. And so back in February, uh, Chad Sears, Julia Davis, and myself, we got to go and hang out with them for about a week, and, and that was a lot of fun. But when I think of the Phineses, um, Eric's been talking recently about the long arc of life. You guys remember him talking about that recently? So living with a long arc of life. And the Phineses are, are a couple that I think are a great example of that, where they've been faithful with, with their years past, and they're actually entering into, what did, what did Eric say, the, the second most productive generation or decade? Of, That's what of he life. said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they've got more energy than I do, so I think, they'll be, uh, I think they'll be in good shape. So it's a real honor to have them here. Uh, let me pray, and then um, we'll hear from Cheryl. Mm. Jesus, thank you for the Phineses and just the, the testimony of faithfulness that they are and the testimony of, of how you take a couple of ordinary people and do amazing things through them because they, they simply say yes. And this morning, Lord, um, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak through Cheryl? As she talks about your kingdom and what it looks like to participate in your kingdom here on earth, I pray that our hearts would be activated this morning, that you'd mobilize us into activity in your kingdom here on earth, Lord. Would you do that? So thank you for the gift to have them with us this weekend and uh, open our hearts and our ears to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys welcome Cheryl? Amen. It is truly a thrill for us to be here at Eagle Church today and to um, worship with you. We feel a very kindred spirit with you. Um, I don't know if you're aware how deeply involved your congregation has been in our project there in the Lighthouse in Berlin. Uh, but you have given financially to that project uh, very generously and also sent uh, the awesome team of Chad, Justin, and Julia to us last year. And uh, we're really looking forward to the future to see what this partnership will develop into. We hope that you'll send more teams, more people to see what God is doing there among the refugees in Berlin. And um, it's just a really, really great thing to feel like we have actual people that get it, that understand what uh, this missions thing is all about and support us so generously. I heard that, I think someone said 11% of your budget actually goes to world missions in this church. So that is something to uh, be proud of because most churches give 1% or 2%, not 11%. So you are... Uh, to be commended for that. And we want to thank you because all of these years, 35 years we've been overseas with the Christian Missionary Alliance, we could never have stayed there and been so effective if people like you hadn't sacrificed greatly to make that happen. So um, I have a little one-minute video from the team that's on the ground in Berlin right now, and they would like to thank you personally for your partnership with them. Hi, I'm George. Hi. I'm Mike. I'm Robbie. Uh, I'm Yuri, and this is 
Karen. I'm Aaron Steiner, and I work with refugees. With refugees. With refugees. With refugees. Refugees here at the Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. At the Lighthouse in Berlin, Germany. Hey, thank you for your prayers. For your prayers. For your prayers. For praying for us. Thank you for your support. For your support. For your support. For your support. Thank you for your involvement. Thank you for your partnership. For your commitment. Thank you for supporting the Lighthouse specifically. Thank you for the people that you've sent over and the relationships that we've built with you guys. Because of you, God's kingdom is moving forward. Because of you, I can help introduce people to Jesus. Because of you, I get to share the gospel with refugees. Because of you, our family is able to move here. Because of you, we're able to keep the lighthouse running. Because of you, I get to share the good news with my father's people. Because of you, my family lives in Berlin. We couldn't do this without you. 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 Thank you, Eagle Church. Thanks. Thank you, Eagle Church. Thank you, Eagle Church. Thank you, Eagle Church. Thank you so much, Eagle Church. So there you have it. They are thankful. Can you tell? <laughs> we, we really appreciate and love you all. So in the Christian Missionary Alliance every year, there is a theme that they roll out that is kind of... Um, present through all the Alliance churches in the United States. And this year, the theme is Awaken to Kingdom Reality. And that's a great theme. I think last year it was like peculiar people or something. I didn't like that one. I don't like to be peculiar, but I love this theme, Awaken to Kingdom Reality. It's a great theme because uh, of the times that we're living in. Certainly not a time for us as believers in Jesus to be complacent or sluggish. We need to be awake and fully engaged in what God wants to do in our world. So today, I want to draw our attention to what kingdom, kingdom living is all about. And that's what I'll entitle my message this morning. Living in the kingdom. What is this kingdom that we talk about? We all know the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But have you ever stopped to think what that really means? Is it something that we're longing for in the future? A place that God is preparing for those that remain faithful to the end? Maybe the kingdom is something we hope will be a lot better than what we're experiencing right now. This can't possibly be the kingdom that God is talking about because there's so much evil in this world. The word kingdom implies the dominion of a king over his subjects. So I submit to you that the kingdom of God is now, where King Jesus reigns over the earth, over all mankind, albeit an imper imperfect kingdom with imperfect people like you and I, but where one day he will reign in complete perfection. We are living in God's kingdom now, and he has invited us to join him in reaching lost people all over this world before he can come back in all of his fullness and set up his eternal kingdom. I want to join hands with him and help to get this job done, don't you? So my first point is wake up to the reality of the kingdom. We need to be aware of what the realities are in our world, not living with our heads buried in the sand, we should be watching the news as awful as it is and engaging with the world around us. We need to have our ears wide open, not stick our fingers in our ears so we can't hear anything. 
blocking out all the horrible things that are happening. What are some of the realities of this kingdom that we live in today? Reality number one is that our world is a mess and it's getting worse by the day. Duh. (laughs) I doubt any of us would refute that statement. But why wring our hands and say, oh, woe is me? Have you read the book? Why are we shocked at what's going on around us? Jesus promised us that many of these things would happen. He tells us in Matthew 24 that there will be false prophets and wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes. But those things are just the beginning of the birth pains, he says. We ain't seen nothing yet. There's more to come. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 8, after those things happen, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed because you are my followers. Many will turn away from God and betray and hate each other, and sin will be rampant everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Honestly, watching the news these days is like watching a soap opera or um, a horror film, maybe, at some times. (laughs) I think to myself often, are these people even human beings that can carry out some of these horrific acts? Have we fallen so far as a human race that there are absolutely no moral standards anymore? But when I think back to the days of Noah, when God was so fed up with mankind and there was such wickedness on the earth that he literally just wiped out everyone and everything and started all over again. Yikes. I don't know, but I think things must have been pretty bad in those days, maybe just as bad as they are right now. But Jesus says, in the midst of all of this, the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Did you know that it was this verse that stirred a holy fire and passion in the heart of Albert B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, to begin a movement of people that were so sold out to reaching the lost that they counted their own lives as nothing. Dr. Simpson said, missions is the Lord's own appointed way of hastening his speedy coming. It's a bit sobering to think that the return of King Jesus to this earth depends a lot on us and how willing we are to work with him in bringing people into his kingdom. He said it. Right there, the whole world must hear the good news of the kingdom, and then he will return. I just read a statistic that in the 1040 window, that's that uh, area of the globe that contains Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, that just in that strip across our globe, There are 5,574 unreached people groups, which is roughly 83% of the unreached people groups of the whole world. And by unreached people groups, that usually means that unless someone comes from the outside to tell them about Jesus, they will never, ever hear about him. The chances of those people ever hearing the gospel from within their own country 
by their own people is almost non-existent because either there are so few believers or there are absolutely no believers whatsoever. So there's still a lot of work to be done, my friends. We just received um, a little update from some of our colleagues that work as missionaries in West Africa, and they had decided to go to East Africa on a little uh, safari trip or something. And uh, interesting, this was an excerpt from their email that we received. Today we visited Lake Iyasi. We first went to see a traditional blacksmith and his family, and after that we visited a herdsman's family. We were allowed to ask questions, and they asked us questions. We asked them what God they believe in and follow. They replied that they really don't follow a god. Sometimes they worship their ancestors. Then they asked us who we believe in, and we told them we follow Jesus. We asked if they had ever heard of him. They, they responded that they had heard his name once, but that they did not know anything about him. There's no one to come and tell us about him. You should come and tell us about him, they said. After some more conversation, we asked our guide for the morning, also a Christ follower, if he can come back each week and share a story from God's word with them. He said he could, and we plan to get some information into his hands to help him in sharing the gospel orally with this family. Isn't that amazing? A herdsman's family somewhere on the plains of East Africa comes in contact with these Christians. They're willing and wanting to know more, but there's no one to go and tell them. Could it possibly be in a congregation this size that God might be calling someone to go to one of these unreached people groups who will otherwise never hear the name of Jesus? Some young person, perhaps, who has their whole life ahead of them. Maybe a young couple who's restless and believes that God has so much more for them. Could, it, could even be an older couple who's retired early and still has a lot of life and energy left to offer for kingdom work. But hey, if that's too much for you to consider, don't think for a minute that you're off the hook. No way. There are hundreds and thousands of people right here in your backyard who are headed for an eternity without Jesus. They're also included in the people who must hear about Jesus before the end of this age can come. Last night we were at a, a delightful dinner party and heard lots of people talking about how they're reaching out to refugees. The world is coming right here to your doorstep. You are not off the hook. No way. In fact, you have an amazing opportunity right here in Indiana to reach out to the nations. They're coming here. And I know that there are people right here in your congregation who are reaching out to refugees and to immigrants, helping them with English, inviting them to church, loving them, inviting them into your homes. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Keep up the good work. The good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Do you know about the amazing man named Albert B. Simpson, who was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance? Listen to what he says. The Christian that is bound by his own horizon, the church that simply lives simply for itself, 
is bound to die a spiritual death and sink into stagnancy and corruption. We never can thank God enough for giving us not only the whole gospel to believe in, but a whole world to give it to. I don't believe for a minute that Eagle Church was planted here in Zionsville only to reach this community with the love of Jesus, only to run great programs and have great worship, which you do, by the way. Awesome, awesome worship that you are so lucky to enjoy every week. I don't believe that that's the reason, the only reason that God puts you here in this place. Certainly your vision is much bigger than that. God gave us the whole gospel for the whole world. I'm sure you've heard stories um, of early missionaries that were sent to the Congo, the very first missionaries that ever went out uh, overseas were sent in the late 1800s to the Congo. Those missionaries used to leave the shores of the United States with all of their belongings packed in wooden coffins. Can you imagine? Because the probability of them returning back alive was very, very small. Many of the early Alliance missionaries were buried in those coffins that they took with them. They laid down their lives in order to take the gospel to a people who had never heard. And the result of their deaths has been the birth of one of the largest Alliance churches in the world. The church in Congo today is way, way bigger than the church in the United States. We had um, an Iraqi family who showed up on the doorstep of the lighthouse last year. Their story of searching for truth can probably be repeated many times over. Nasser and his family um, left Iraq. They fled Baghdad during the war and found their way to Austria. Now, in Europe, uh, it's kind of a funny system, but wherever you land first and actually give your, your fingerprints, that's where you have to stay. You're not allowed to move around. So this family arrived in Austria, and they were there for two whole years. They had four children, three girls and a little baby boy. And um, they're Muslims. They were just becoming very restless and not happy with their religion, and they wondered, is there another way? And so they started searching. And unfortunately, I can say that the Jehovah's Witnesses found them. And for a year and a half, they joined them, and they were very committed to them. But then after a while, again, that restlessness started, and they said, there's, there's something not right about this. There's another way. There's a better way. And so they went again and started searching, and they came to other churches. Finally, they went to eight evangelical churches in Austria. And every church that they went to said, go away. You're just here to see what you can get out of us. We don't trust you. We don't believe you're here to really seek Jesus. Go away. And so they were sent away by eight evangelical churches. Isn't that sad? Finally, one day on Facebook, they found a German believer, a young man who we actually know. And this man said, come to Germany. Come to Germany. There are lots of wonderful Bible-believing churches, and I know that they won't turn you away, and you can find the truth here in Germany. And so somehow this family of six escaped Austria, illegally arrived in Germany, 
and found their way to the lighthouse. It's a long story that I won't go into, but miraculously, they found their way to the lighthouse. They've actually been living in the lighthouse for the last two months because they're destitute. We don't usually uh, try to do that because it's for many, many reasons that you couldn't possibly understand. But it's not a good thing to have a refugee family of six living in your ministry center. But um, it has been a God thing. Uh, And this family, one by one, they are coming to Jesus. The 15-year-old girl came to, had a wonderful salvation experience. The mother now has believed in Jesus, and the father is just right there tottering on the edge. But they went all over Europe, fled their home in Iraq, and finally found the truth at the lighthouse. Um, Yes, our world is in a mess, and will no doubt get a lot worse before Jesus returns. But the opportunities to be used by him now, in this now kingdom, are huge. So reality number two is that Jesus is the only answer to the mess, and he chooses to use us to fix it. That's amazing. A very real problem that I see in our Christian circles today is that so many come from backgrounds riddled with broken relationships and dysfunctional situations at home. I often wonder how God can break through all of that and use us as his instruments to reach the hurting world around us. Because our own needs are so great, we hardly notice the needs of people around us. And sadly, some of our churches are so wrapped up in their programs and their meetings that they are also unaware of the lost and dying all around them. You might be saying to yourself about now, I'm such a mess, I don't think God could ever use me. You know, it actually doesn't depend a whole lot on you. (laughs) I've learned that. You would be amazed at what God can do through you if only you are fully surrendered to him and filled with his Holy Spirit. I have a great example of this. We had a, we had a short-term team that came from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, out to the lighthouse. And one of the young guys was speaking at our, our Sunday afternoon meeting, our church plant there. And the guy that was translating, I was like holding my breath. I mean, I could have done a way better job. He was botching it up so bad. And he was totally getting the message wrong. He was saying crazy things. And I just thought, oh Lord, please break through this nonsense. This is crazy. He, he really was, he didn't hardly speak English and he, but he wanted to translate. And, um, wouldn't you know, at the end of that service, two people came and gave their lives to Jesus. I thought, okay, I give up. (laughs) That was totally the Holy Spirit. I mean, he got that message so wrong, but somehow the Holy Spirit got it right. And two men came to faith in Jesus that day. Perhaps more than any man I've ever read about or known, the founder of the Alliance, Dr. Simpson, lived with a kingdom mindset. Look at something that he wrote more than 100 years ago. The chief danger of the church today is that it is trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. Our master expects us to accomplish results even if they bring opposition and conflict. Anything is better than compromise, apathy, and paralysis. God, give us an intense cry for the old-time power of the gospel and the Holy Ghost. 
Imagine that was written 100 years ago. What would he say today? The church trying to get on the same side. The Christians trying to get on the same side as the world. We will never reach our world for Christ until we deal with the things from our past that are weighing us down. And then ask God to fill us with, with the good old time power of the gospel and the Holy Ghost. Yes, God needs us to be involved in bringing back the king. But he needs sanctified, Holy Spirit-filled vessels for his use. If the enemy can just get us to be apathetic, or better yet, paralyzed with fear, he's succeeded in putting us out of business. Certainly the refugee crisis today is one of the biggest realities we find in our world right now. The movement of people all over the world from north to south and east to west and every way, which way in between is incredible. But imagine that all of this movement in our world has caused people to leave their very, very closed countries and go to countries where they can actually hear the gospel. It's amazing. And many of them are coming here to the United States. If they had stayed in their country of origin, they would never, ever have heard. It's estimated that 65.6 million people are displaced in our world today. The Syrian refugees that we've been working with uh, for the past two years have been through untold horror and pain in their lives. Many have seen relatives killed right in front of them. Brutal acts of war. Escaping through the desert with only the light of the moon to guide them. Children severely traumatized, and the list goes on and on. God allowed us to be in Berlin for the last two years to receive them and to put our arms around them and show them the love of Jesus. They most likely would never have experienced that love had they stayed in their remote Syrian villages. I know God puts people in your paths every single day, right here in Indiana. Yes, he does. And you are the only one that can show them that there's a better way. That God loves them and has an incredible plan for their lives. That there is a way that leads to peace and joy and eternal life with God forever. That's good news. And we need to share that with everyone we meet. So when we wake up to the reality of the kingdom and what God is doing now in this kingdom here on earth, how should we then live? My next point is wake up to the reality of kingdom living. What does kingdom living look like? Well, we certainly know that things don't work in God's kingdom the way they work in this worldly kingdom. For instance, turning the other cheek or giving the shirt off your back or returning kindness when someone does evil against you or be happy when someone persecutes you for Jesus' sake. Or go the, go the second mile. It's kind of an upside-down kingdom by the world's standards. We might even be seen as idiots or weak and spineless people if we lived like that. Having lived overseas for the past 35 years, well, even more if you consider my childhood, I grew up overseas, I am certainly not the one to explain about American morals or standards or what's acceptable. Like I said, this world is a mess and getting wor worse all the time. 
I went to the doctor's office the other day, and I was filling out those papers, and there were four possibilities for gender. Really? <laughs> They're kidding, right? Things are terribly out of whack in our beautiful America. But we don't need to cower in the shadows or run away from our morally bankrupt society. No, Jesus has called us to be salt and light in this kingdom. That is our mandate as believers in Jesus Christ in this godless world. He tells us in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I certainly don't want to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I long to be that light that sits high on the lampstand and gives light to everyone in the house. What does kingdom living look like? It looks like taking up your cross and following Jesus daily. It looks like following God's laws written in his book that never change. Doesn't matter what everyone else is doing around me. I will always circle F for my gender because I'm definitely not male. And there's only two choices as far as I'm concerned. Sorry. It also says that in the book. Kingdom living means I am not my own. I've been bought with a price, a very high price that cost God his only son. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. 1 Corinthians 6. Is it not a huge privilege to be considered sons and daughters of the Most High God? We are not our own. We cannot act like we want we have to act like he wants. If we just follow this book, it's all spelled out pretty clearly. Going back to what Dr. Simpson said, the chief danger of the church today is that it's trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. We can't have it both ways. I think it all comes down to the question of, is he worthy? Is Jesus worthy of our sacrifice? Is he worthy to receive our very best, our unconditional allegiance to the laws that he has laid down? Am I going to regret someday this kingdom living? Will it really be worth it for me to give up all the worldly pleasures that I enjoy and follow Jesus with my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Uh, a few years back, I had to leave my daughter at boarding school. She was in seventh grade. We were living in the Middle East, and we took her to, uh, to Germany, to boarding school. And I was just in knots leaving her. I was so upset, and I breathed a huge sigh of relief when I was able to get away, and I didn't cry and lose it completely. I didn't want to upset her because I left her in her classroom. And so I had this rent-a-car, and I was zipping down the highway going to the airport to leave. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, stupid me. I forgot to give her something very important. So I had to go back. Well, by then, my daughter, I found her in a heap 
sobbing and crying, which got me going, and then it was all over. And I remember getting back in my car and heading back to the, to the airport, and I was sobbing and bawling. I couldn't even see the road. I, I literally had to pull over to the side of the road because I couldn't see where I was going. And I was beating on the steering wheel, and I was yelling at God and saying, this is not fair. It's not fair. Nobody's coming to faith in Jesus, and I'm killing myself for these people, and no one is believing, and I have to give up my daughter. And I was just, like, just letting God have all my emotions, which is okay, by the way. He can take it. And in that moment, probably one of the two or three times that I have heard an audible voice. It was as if a voice behind me said, but I'm worthy. I'm worth it. You're doing it for me. And I sat up and gained my composure and went off on my way to the airport. And I never, ever forgot that experience. It was so, so vivid and still in my mind. Jesus is worthy, so, so worthy of our total allegiance to him. Even if we tell 100 people about Jesus and no one wants to hear our message, everyone rejects us. He is still worthy. The name of Jesus is worthy to be lifted high. Probably the most poignant example I've ever heard concerning the worthiness of Jesus was from the biography of a man named Samuel Zwamer. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was a, a famous, famous missionary uh, who was called the Apostle to Islam way back at the turn of the century. He had two daughters that were born to him and his wife, Amy. Both of their daughters became ill from dysentery and died. Samuel Zwamer buried them both. I can never say this without losing it. He buried them both in the Arabian desert and wrote these words on their tombstones. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive riches. Makes the rest of us look like a bunch of wimps, doesn't it? I mean, who can do that? Jesus is worthy, even of our most treasured possessions, our children, everything that we have. He is worthy. Kingdom living looks nothing like worldly living. God is calling us all to kingdom living, to the realities of this now kingdom, where God is still reigning, he's still in control, all the while with our eyes on the kingdom that is soon to come in all of its glory after every nation on earth has had at least one chance to hear the good news. God help us all to be involved in bringing back King Jesus by telling everyone we meet about him. Whether it's here in Indiana, USA, or in some distant corner of the globe where people have never had even one chance to hear his name and believe in him. I pray that God will put the fire of the Holy Ghost into our bones, and that we will burn with a passion to spread his good news to every nation before his final kingdom is established. 
I pray that there might be someone here today who is willing to go and bring that good news to one of the 5,574 people groups that have never had a chance to even hear the name of Jesus. You want Jesus to come back? Do you really, really want him to come back and set up his perfect kingdom? We know what we have to do. Let's all be about the work of the kingdom so that on that day, we won't be standing with our heads hanging low, but we can proudly proclaim that we have worked hard to speed up the return of Jesus. May God bless you.